0: In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. we must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're gonna seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. Everybody can see that moment that I just saw. We're gonna feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Guys, welcome back to the N-Sons Podcast. I'm Sam. And I am Blaine. And... We had some friends in town the other day that actually reminded me of a a framework. So thank you, Michael and Taylor, for reminding me of this thing that I apply left, right, and center these days, particularly in seasons that feel like high demand as to whether I make decisions or not. And it felt like we've, I don't know, maybe this has come through in a podcast, just in our posture. I don't think we've ever actually like, spelled it out and dove into it. So judging by the title, I'm guessing you've figured out that this is the cost to joy ratio. And it's a fairly intuitive uh, name and therefore description. But when I've been making decisions these days with a young family and I'm I'm choosing towards joy, there's going to be a cost in the way, right? There's going to be, I think of camping, it's going to be all of these hurdles we have to do. The food, the reservations, the semi-broken pop-up trailer. We're going to have to like pay a certain cost to get there. And I really want the joy to at least equal the cost. That brings us back to like zero. But if the joy is going to be stolen or not outweigh the cost, or you're going to do all this work just for a single night... At of place, and then you're going to roll back feeling exhausted. That's just not a good use of cost in my world. So this became this framework that I started throwing on most things. And a little bit like the book KonMari, that's the whole subject. You get the whole idea just from the back cover, and then you can spend the rest of the book reading about examples and the way it plays out. And that's this podcast. So if you want to continue listening to the way that plays out, Continue listening. Conmarie is the perfect example, though, because
1: although the system looks like get rid of frack, what it actually is is a dive into understanding the innate power of objects, which goes, actually, different kinds of things produce different kinds of effects. And if you acknowledge that, And key in, it can help explain the difference between that dollar store plastic clapper toy and that wooden spoon that your friend carved you when he was exploring woodworking. Mm -hmm. There is something that's imparted into those that begins to affect your house. So this is like that because the concept looks simple in the way that decluttering looks simple. But uh, there's an implicit worldview in the cost joy ratio.
0: Right. So there's part of me that wants to either, uh, we'll just roll into this, but I was going to say do a podcast on or write an article on like trying to correct the if we've been giving the wrong impression on things piece. Right. So what I mean by that is we talk about the outdoors. We talk about how we love triathlon. We talk about all these things that we love to do when we're not sitting behind a computer screen that we do most days from... Nine to five, and I think of road biking is the first thing that comes to mind in this ways that cost of joy plays out. So, as a kid, I loved biking. We would pretend to be the Blue Angels, riding our bikes around the neighborhood. The sidewalk would have those little jumps that were the divot. For, I think it's called the apron of the driveway. It would be smooth, straight onto the street, and then there'd be that little rise, and we'd take those jumps, and we'd see who could leave the longest uh, skid mark. So I loved biking. But the jump to like road biking as a young man felt way too high. You spend a little bit of time looking into the cost of all those things, the literal financial cost of a new bike from a shop. Like you're looking at hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, depending on the quality of the bike and the components. And then you just have a bike. You don't have the shoes or the gear or the helmet or even the ability to go use it. Like there's just all this hurdle And so then you look at things like triathlon and my gosh, the hurdle to that, not only do you have to do the bike piece, but then you also make sure you have the running piece and the swimming piece and all of these pieces of gear and blah, blah, blah. So the first road bike I got, I got off of Craigslist and I got all of the gear to use it donated. Alex gave me some shoes and that was what I used. Like I had a helmet that was old and janky and I had this sort of cool, but very old road bike off of Craigslist. And I would wear jeans for going for a ride. I'd wear exercise clothes. Like I did not look like a cool Instagram worthy road biker, but I didn't need to. This is like my second year of marriage. And we took some video during that time. I love looking back on it because actually a lot of the time I wasn't wearing a helmet. I'm just like biking along with Susie, who's on dad's old mountain bike. And it was like this, the cost to get into those things actually turned out to be much lower than I thought. And therefore I could get into a new arena of joy that like the joy was exponentially higher than the cost in that particular area. So we biked all the time when we lived in Minnesota. It was like a very bike friendly city. I just remember going, I thought that in order to have this, I had to have all the right gear and have the new bike and check all these boxes. But that was impossible, and then what I realized was that there was a lower cost and a higher joy that was available if I was willing to ask and ask for some help and do a little digging and change the vision of the bike I had from something that was like brand new off the line to something that was great, but off of Craigslist for a couple hundred bucks.
1: We are talking about Pareto optimal evaluation here, an Italian economist who noticed uh, that in any garden, it's usually true that 20% of the plants are producing 80% of the total yield of vegetables. And then he said, does this work everywhere else? And sort of loosely, it does. You can apply this anywhere in your life where in any organization, 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work uh, or 80% of the frustration in your life comes from 20% of the things that you do if you were kind of to make a list of everything. Really interesting. And so 20% of a discipline's stuff gets you 80% of the joy. And it's kind of interesting to go, oh, I don't need the full way. I just need the few things to be in place where the bar is lower that are going to get me most of the joy of entering into that for nothing other than the joy to be had there. The principal and exclusive goal is joy. When you're looking to buy your first road bike and you ask people like you and I, who have liked it for a long time, what road bike should I get? Or what matters on a road bike? We can go on for a long time in a way that's probably unhelpful. (laughs) And someone goes, hey, I found this Orbea bike. Is this a good bike or... I found this motovacan. It's really cheap. I'm like, oh, don't do that. Um, But you could, and I have with things like hunting rifles, asked five people what the most important part of a hunting rifle was. These were online forums and the sales staff at Sportsman's Warehouse. And uh, only one or two things will come up over and over again in the first five things someone mentions. And so, road bike it would be like. I would say a bunch about a road bike if someone said what mattered, but also very little. Yes, where I would I would put it as um, a tuned drivetrain and narrow tires.
0: <laughs> uh, just a frame that fits pretty well. I mean, the frame I rode for a long time was several sizes too small, but it worked. It was okay. Right, went very fast on the downhills. And so
1: certain things will rise to the top where you go, all of a sudden it's not, I need a great road bike. It's, I need a bike that's about my size, where the chain is not rusty and the shifting works. And and you go, oh, really? I mean,
0: gosh, you can get that for $100. Here's something I'm struck by is that we also throw in Casey Neistat's don't let perfect get in the way of good. This is like another helpful modifier to a new thing or a piece of joy. I also think of like the culture today, because of the amount of information that's available, I feel like I can sort of become well-educated on something if I give it a couple hours online. You look at a couple videos, you read a couple forums, you do a little searching. I mean, the internet is clogged with the top five beginner blah, the top five shoes for blah, the bikes for under blah. It just, it's clogged with it. And so the opposite is true because there's so much information i actually end up feeling like an idiot if i don't get some sort of expertise on something that's new which mm-hmm. is crazy right because there was that book or that study published about 10,000 hours is what it takes to actually become an expert in something and so i'm i'm willing to like put in a couple online looking for A piece of joy, uh, a pop-up trailer. We are already looking at our camping trips for the summer because you're able to book sites six months in advance out here. And so a lot of sites are already booked for the summer, which is just nuts. And in order to have that be a good time, I am trying to look up online, where are some campsites that are nearby. And then what are the reviews on those sites? And what are the photos on those sites? And there's like this, this need to somehow become an expert in a place I've never been and pick the right site. Otherwise it's going to like be a massive blow it. Like the kids aren't going to enjoy it. We can't go hiking somewhere else. Like I am going to throw out there to Sam last night, Sam, you can pick the worst possible site and actually there can still be joy in it. And so there's just this like the perfect tries to get in the way the the cost of literal dollars and time like I'm trying to do this in my head and go okay I'm willing to do a couple more trips to the site that takes me two hours to get to and one trip to like the far away site up in Rocky Mountain National Park one of the things is like take the pressure off and honestly evaluate is the joy is the joy going to be worth this. Or is this going to be pressure, performance, high cost, and therefore just not worth it? Pick pick something else. Pick something that's a lower bar and and therefore going to give you a ton of joy for something that seems silly. It seems like, really? You can just buy a barely functioning bike and get most of the joys out of biking? It's like, yeah, you can. I would augment our use of...
1: Joy here with the word play and Kaipo Morgan's definition of uh, really funny that we have to define play but go right something that you do where there is no motive besides enjoyment mm. and this is a critical practice for the human soul but go I want to get I want to bike because I used to love biking and it would get me fit and go ah, fail um <laughs> I want to camp because I love being outdoors and I know that being outdoors is important for a life with God. No, fail, Um, go. This is actually pressure taking off to go, what would be some things that are actually kind of ridiculous where they don't add some convoluted value to your life? They just bring play Mm. to your soul and then go, oh, well, getting to that, might
0: not be that hard. Right. <laughs> so I found this really helpful because it, it actually took a lot of the pressure off in making those smaller decisions. Um, today, like, dad will get so riled up about the culture of the epic. And he he talked about the, um, the Red Bull video of the guy's s- squirrel... Suiting into a flying airplane, like the open door in this valley, and like this amazing feat, this amazing stunt. They got this on film. Like, come on. And my reaction to it was like, eh, mm. cool. And then, like, I was on to the next thing. Like, who knows how much training and time and money went into that to get that reaction from me. Like, I'm just, I mean, if you saw the video of the guy on the dirt bike that, like, went onto the waves and then out in the ocean, that got, like, a little bit more of a rise. But Not much. And therefore, I've been surprised at how that's crept into my own life. I've been surprised by like the, if Susie and I are going to go on a date, that time is really limited these days. That's like really, the stars have aligned. We've got the kids well. We've got a babysitter. We've got the monthly budget to go do something. And it feels like cashing in all our chips. Mm. And when you're cashing in all your chips the pressure gets in to have it be spectacular and amazing and the best use of your time. And last months, it wasn't. Like, it wasn't what Susie had hoped for. There was a desire for some conversation and some looking back on the year and those things didn't happen. And therefore, it's like, all those chips got cashed and we didn't get everything out we possibly wanted. It was a failure. And we had this great conversation. I'm like, actually, the night was really good if you take all of those pressures off and we can name, we're going to have a night with a bottle of wine and like a fire at home where we can do that later. And like the relief that came from that of, wow, wait, like we actually love those moments more than I love dates these days because mm. the kids are in bed. We haven't cashed in on a babysitter. We haven't had to go spend money. We just get to hang out. We've been rewatching through the star Wars trilogy because we got all sorts of nostalgia hungover from the last film And we'll make nachos and sit in bed and watch Star Wars. And it's like my happy place right now. And that is the lowest bar. But actually what it speaks of is Susie and I are are well and we're getting to dive into this thing together and the pressure's off and the joy to cost, like the joy massively outweighs the cost of those moments. So I have another tool
1: to add here. When it comes to discovering joy, and sort of taking this cost-joy ratio and going, there are many things that don't cost a lot that are very joy and play-producing. Something that can be really interesting to do is your patterns of spending money can actually be an interesting window into your life of joy. Here's how it works. You don't have to actually already be a budgeter to do this one you just need 20 to 30 minutes in a notepad go through wherever it is that you're spending is tracked if you are a credit card user on your account page if you're a cash buyer uh you know you can check your history in your bank account but go through And just write down in categories, group all of your transactions together. So everyone that's at Costco, everyone that's at a coffee shop, everyone that's at a gas station, and watch the ones swell, not even just by, and what we're looking for here is not the most expensive transaction. What we're looking for is the thing that you do the most, uh, because the thing that you do the most, you are using to accomplish multiple things. And so here's what I mean. Em and I were doing this recently. And we just discovered incredible an insane volume of transactions at the grocery store near our house. And I went, what the heck? What? And then when I actually thought about it and looked at how many there were, I went, oh, you know what that is? That is, it is 630 at night. Bedtime is still an hour away. The tanks are completely empty and Ailish actually really loves uh, going to the grocery store because she knows all the employees and she gets to walk around and we get to count it as an errand we've accomplished. So the achiever in me is satisfied and it's not far away. And so when it comes to, hey, let's make a grocery store run. I'll grab this for tomorrow. Uh, But what we discovered was, oh my gosh, that is the... What can we do when we are tired, totally. but need something to do? Category, and what would it look like to actually move into that category? There was a guy who
0: I was talking Quick to. Wait, question: Is the produce aisle more fun, or is it sort of like the dairy aisle for you guys? You know, because this like, is part play, part errand. I like the bright colors uh, and
1: seasonal vegetables. Mm, so, so it's for produce. sure. It's for sure the produce. Mm-hmm. Um, like and,
0: smelling the cilantro and the
1: intriguing bevy aisle. With you know,
0: matcha latte. I know the amount of drinks that people are dream up these days. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So here's the thing. When you mentioned that to me, I thought of like, that is an interesting practice to do against the narrative of, I have no margin. Yes. Because you are spending your time, you are spending your money in these ways. And I have often felt like I have no margin. And just to look at your life like that and go where, something's getting inflated. If that's the case. Like there is time. I'm just, I'm choosing to spend time in different ways. And I love, like, that's a very Dan Allender, like use the phrase of I'm choosing this. Not like, it's not demanding you. You are you are making choices and it's giving power back to you. And it has like this, this forcefulness to it. And be like, well, you guys were spending a lot of time at the grocery store. Were you accomplishing either of those things? Were you feeling like... Ailish was having a good time and you were actually accomplishing a task? Or are you just more exhausted afterwards? Oh, well, <laughs> probably more exhausted. Uh,
1: but certainly not as huh as mm. it could be. If there were a few more things even that Alish loved. And so it was interesting. Out of that practice for us came, what is the lowest barrier of entry gymnastics class for Alish? Because it would be in the evening, and it would be one evening where she's doing gymnastics, and I like, you know she's learning to do somersaults on a pad. And for forty-five minutes, we are sitting in a chair. Mm-hmm. And went, oh, that would be, or you know, we got a punch pass at a climbing gym, Eilish, because Eilish can climb for free because she's uh, a tiny human. She's a tiny human. Um, and went, she doesn't, she can't be convinced to rock climb, but she loves watching the people and. It actually is. I like being in that environment. Mm. It was another example of, I was talking to a young guy and it was the classic potentially shaming budgeter's revelation where he discovered, oh my gosh, that my largest volume of transactions, is it a coffee shop? And I went, yeah. And we're not putting on the, you see, you could have paid off your debt if you just bought a coffee maker. It went, why? And, Because I don't want to go home at the end of the day after work. And I went, okay, so taking your budget and shame off the table for a minute and just look at your heart is looking for some relief and some joy and some satisfaction. What would it look like to explore that in other ways? Like what if you bought yourself a bow and a pass to an archery range? What if you dusted off that old fly rod? There's a lot of play and exploration of, oh, you're looking for a little relief and a little something for your soul at the end of the day. Okay, well, there actually might be something that looks like it's harder, but isn't all that much harder
0: that would do that so much better. It's worth it. Yeah, I'm so aware that every choice at this point feels like choosing uphill in the snow. Because as a human being, I drift into the most comfortable, easiest patterns. And maybe they weren't comfortable or easy at first, but after a while, they become that way. And any new change choice, large or small, feels ridiculous. Impractical, uphill, against the snow. It's like, God, really? I want to do X. I want to do Y. Where You and I are beginning this rhythm for different projects, but writing every morning during the work week that is possible and having like the, the freedom and the grace of it's okay when there's something else scheduled, but as much as possible, protect that window. And it's so interesting how like we both know (laughs) that it's going to be just slammed with attack, harassment, sabotage, like those new rhythms for me historically have lasted a couple of days but you're all, before all of a sudden there's this, this reason and you can do that and that reason. And then your computer dies and you're like, Oh, okay. So like any, any choice, any choice, exercise, any choice towards joy is going to feel impractical, impossible. Go buy yourself a bow. I think a lot of people are just going to sit there and go, I don't have the money to go buy myself that bow. I don't have the time to go to the range. Taking you back to what the podcast is about. Cost, to joy, when it's a hobby or a dream that you have been wanting, is there, is there a way that, like you can scale that back to? Um, do you have a friend who does archery? Did they just buy a new bow? What did they do with their old one? Maybe actually the cost can be much lower than you think. And therefore that's why I started the story of the biking thing with the, like the apology of in case I have given the wrong impression, like it's not all new gear all the time. Be able to go do this. Like we're scheduling out the two to four events we're going to do this summer. That's it. Like they will be big. They will be exciting. We're going to be working towards them. But even in the events, like that's the 1% of all of like the days where you get to go and prepare for it. And I just I hate the the Instagram type lens on people's lives because then it feels like not only is any new choice towards joy uphill, it's up a cliff. It's like it's insurmountable. How could you possibly get into X? How could you possibly get more life or joy and be like, well, I that's a horrible place to stay if that's if that's the reaction, which it often is for me. I'm like, okay, I want to do this writing thing. I wanna accomplish these short stories that I've set out for myself oh man does perfect get in the way of good man does a first draft feel so difficult man does a new rhythm feel impractical and it's like no 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 there's, there's a low cost to high yield somewhere out there what is that? What is it find it I Like, I need it because otherwise I'm going to slip into a life of utter and complete depression and convenience
1: yes
0: I love John
1: on our team, entrepreneur, hardcore, JD, who is very unsympathetic to the phrase, I can't, uh, and much more. And just to go, there are real seasonal restrictions that massively mitigate the decisions that a person can make. But it can make you feel like actually there are zero options and there's a fun exercise here too where go I can't because I and then fill in that blank and then that blank actually becomes the problem that you're working on where it's I can't go on a date with my wife every week because there are not enough people who can watch our kids and go oh okay that actually if that were something that seemed joyful to you uh could actually be solved i can't because i simply that <laughs> um i can't afford a bike and then don't let that be referred to as an enthymeme where you actually like hide where the work is being done in an argument and go there's a because there i can't buy a bike because i'm spending my money on you know paying off my student loans or Things are tight in the house and kind of go like, um, go, okay, well, so maybe that's true. But are you substituting, I can't ride a bike because I can't buy a bike? Because I guarantee you, you, you have someone who has a bike that's in their garage mm-hmm. and they'd be happy to lend it to you for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of to go where there are many closed doors <laughs> to play,
0: God is really good at opening them when you kind of actually begin to look. Yeah, two other categories for the I can't. Um, one is the big piece on Sabbath and rest and just all of the data around that, which is to say, I can't take a pause in my week. I can't take time off. I got to just be hustling. I don't. Every Every day is either work or errands. And it's so interesting is that there's lots of data out there of like you actually get more productive if you take a day off, things will get done. So if it's, I can't do this because I don't have the margin, I'd be really intrigued by that. I'd be really intrigued by why that seems to be the case and probably is wrong. The other one that comes up for me is I can't get into this because I don't have a father in that space. And the the example that comes to mind is the hunting piece Um, there's a lot of guys that, that resonates with mythically and it's that either I live in the wrong state or I don't have anyone to teach me. Several young guys come to mind of just their fathers don't do that, including Morgan and our dad, Where It's like, if it's, I can't, because I don't have an initiator into this, um, I sort of scratch my head and go like, well, you have the father. And he wants to father you and may father you through a wide array of resources if you're willing to say yes to that and be praying that over it and to go, ah, if you want that particular piece, but it feels impossible, what are the lower barriers? Rather than it needing to be, I'm elk hunting in Colorado and it looks a certain way, like there are lower barriers cost ways that that becomes that that it grows into it if you're willing to ask for them and ask for eyes to see them and then all of a sudden you get this massive piece of joy that you didn't know you had before that might be the shooting range it might be something else I I have no idea like the the world is vast and creative and I, I just I think the father would have a better answer for you than I can't yes
1: this is the most important one which is the framing of the story that's some form of I can't and that's the end of the story because it's up to me. And this could sound like we're exhorting you to rally and do the right thing and go, actually, you're responding into a different story where I can't and go, yep, but you're not alone and it's not up to you. The God who loves you and is constantly pursuing you is bringing you uh, the life he wants to give you in spite of your inability to get it for yourself and go, this is not lonely orphan trying to go, okay, well, now I have to try to get joy and go, what would it look like to actually reverse the script and start the cost joy ratio thing with, I am the recipient of an incredible fortune. God actually is bringing me something that is gift. And what would my loving response to that be if that were true? You can ask God, where would you like me to respond to that reality?